exist for really, and it's a, our tagline is this, helping people connect with God. And it's not just about helping people so that one day they'll go to heaven. And certainly we want, you know, as many people to populate heaven as possible. We want to be involved in helping people find the way to God. And we're going to talk about that today. But essentially it's really about life transformation. It's about hope. It's about healing. It's about finding God and helping people not only to find God through Jesus Christ, but to grow in a relationship with Christ and to allow Him to begin to heal their lives. Martha is a perfect example of kind of what we exist for. And this is a very exciting weekend because we're doing something that has never been done in this city before. We are going into the lower level of the Roshek building. A building that's been a department store, now it's, uh, it's houses, IBM and other corporations and other businesses. And we are going to worship God this morning at 10 o'clock. In the lower level, God is going to be praised. That building, yeah, it's very cool. That building is going to be used by God to help people get into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and grow in their relationship with Him. It's going to be used in a really incredible way, in a way it's never been used before, and I'm very excited about that. So 10 o'clock, that service starts down there, and we're very excited. First weekend, we'll see how it goes. So this weekend, what I want to do is I want to ask you a question, and I think this is true. Maybe I want to make a statement first, and and it's this. Every one of us needs to feel blessed, feel like somebody is loves us, somebody accepts us, somebody says to you, you matter, you're important, you're significant. Every one of us needs that. And generally we get that from our parents. And if if we've come from a, a decent home, a mom or a dad has been there to say, you matter, you're important, you're significant, I love you, and that'll never change. But some of us have probably come from homes where that wasn't true. We didn't have a mom or a dad or, or somebody. And we may not have, even to this point in our lives, we've never had anybody say to us, you matter, you're significant, you're important, I'm with you. Somebody you respect, somebody that you you look up to. You you don't have that. And, you know, we've been looking at the life of, of, uh, you know, Isaac and Jacob and this whole blessing thing. And I guess essentially what I'm saying is we all need to be blessed. We all need a blessing on our life. We all need somebody to say to to us, you're important, you matter. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. And you're going to grow. And we all need that. Every one of us needs that. We all need to be blessed. And so Jacob is, is trying to get this blessing from his father, but he can't get it. His father likes his, his older brother Esau better than him. And so he, he goes behind his back, and with his, the help of his mother, he tries to steal the inheritance, the blessing, whatever you want to call it. And, and, he, and in the chapter we're going to look in today, He is out in the wilderness, and he's all alone. He's at the bottom of his life. And we're going to pick that story up. So it's Genesis chapter 28. And if you don't have a Bible, we have these chair Bibles on page 23. And in Genesis chapter 28, verse 10, I want to start reading. Because we're going to see Jacob is going to have an encounter with God when he least expects it. 
in a place that he thought, no one's here. Look at this. Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. This is page 23. Jacob left Beersheba and traveled towards Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw angels, the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, the God of your father, father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you. I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely this place, this, the, the, the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early, took the stone that he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named the place Bethel, which today, which means house of God, although it was previously called Lux. Uh, then Jacob made a vow. If God will indeed... Be with me and protect me on this journey. And if he will provide with me food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar that I have set up will become a place for worshiping God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives to me. The point I want you to see is this, that God meets us in our time of need uh, is, and, and when we least expect him sometimes. We feel like no one's there. There's a couple interesting things about this uh, account. The first one is the sun is setting. Darkness is coming. And when darkness comes in Scripture, it means there's something spiritually significant that's about ready to take place. When uh, Judas betrayed Jesus and he left the, the upper room and it says it was night. The point the writer's saying there is this is a dark time in his life. Well, the same thing in, in Jacob. And what, what, what the writer is saying is Jacob is coming to a place, a, a low place in his life, but he's beginning a new chapter with God. A new chapter is beginning. Um, one is ending and a new one is beginning. The second pl- thing is we, we, have no, we have no name of where he's landed. We don't know the city. We don't know the place. Now, he names it Bethel, but we don't have a name for this place. He's in nowhere land. He is nowhere. And maybe that's you. Maybe you say, I feel like I'm nowhere, and I feel like I'm all alone. I feel like nobody knows and nobody cares, and, and I don't know where God is, but he's not here. And I think that's where Jacob was. I think that's what he felt. But here's the thing. What Jacob's going to find out is God shows up in nowhere places when we least expect it. He shows up. He's there. And it's very interesting. The other thing interesting, you don't see it in the text, there's no one with him. There's no servants. There's no friends. There's no family members. There's no animals. There's nobody with him. He's alone. He's absolutely alone. But I want you to know that God is waiting for you in nowhere land to show you his plan. 
The, sec- the third thing we see in this is he uses a stone. Now, some say he used it for a pillow. Some translations say, some say, no, he laid it by his head. We know he takes the stone. He makes a memorial uh, out of it. And he says, this will be a place we'll come back and we'll worship God. It's a holy place because he showed up here. But at this point, it's become a pillow or something. And who knows? I mean, you know, they didn't have memory foam back then. But you've got to believe you can find something better than a rock to lay your head on. But the question is, did he lay his head on the rock or did he lay his head beside the rock? But it, what we know, uh, we're, what we're getting from the passage is that he had nothing. It was his source of security. It was his source of comfort of some sort from this rock. Don't know much more than that. It's kind of an odd thing to say other than maybe the writer saying, I want you to know about the stone because he's going to make it, uh, kind of, you know, designate the holy space. Don't know. The thing I want to really get into, though, is the stairway from heaven. So Jacob encounters God through this dream. He has this dream and has this encounter with God. And in this dream, he sees angels going up and down this ladder. And God is standing at the top of the ladder. Some translations say, other translations say that God is standing next to him. Uh, but the point is, the angels are going up and down the ladder. And this is a very interesting picture because it's referring to the activity of God. That, that, you know, see, remember, we, we said Jacob is all alone. He feels like he's alone. Nothing's happening. God isn't present. Nobody's around. He's all alone. But, but what God does, he opens up. He, he kind of, he, he goes into this, this spiritual, this spiritual dimension and he opens it up and Jacob begins to see the activity of heaven. And what does he see? He sees angels coming down the ladder and going up the ladder, which represents God, God's plans and decrees being carried out by the angels and then returning for their next assignment. And, and the point is that, that God wants him to see that even though you don't think God is working behind the scenes, he's absolutely working behind the scenes. His plans, his purposes are being carried out. His messengers, his, his angels are, are busy about carrying out God. God is working behind the scenes, carrying out all of his plans. Now, it's interesting, too, just a side uh, comment about the angels. Uh, we have this view of angels like the Disney view and the other view that, you know, you see an angel and you go, oh, cool, hi, how are you, you know, and all that stuff. And we smile and we're happy and that's all thing. And sometimes, you know, there's Disney says you will become an angel and no human will ever become an angel because angels are created beings and humans are created in the image of God, not angels. So when you die, you don't become an angel. I know Disney says that, but that's not true. But the thing I want you to see about angels is very interesting, is whenever a human meets an angel, they are always fearful. In fact, the first thing that angels generally say when you meet an angel, fear not. <laughs> Remember when the angel came to Mary and says, you're going to have a child? Uh, the first thing the angel says is, fear not. Fear not. You know why? Because angels are scary beings. Because they have the they, they have that other world presence. They have this holiness. They have this this God presence about them that is holy and awesome. And you almost you know you shrink back. And and so angels are always saying you know fear not. Don't be afraid. Uh, I won't harm you. Uh, but the point I want you to see is that God is working even when heaven seems silent, even in a nowhere place in nowhere land. I don't know where you're at today, but maybe that's exactly where you are. You walked in today and you felt like, my life is in nowhere land. It's going nowhere. And I don't believe that God is even involved or even cares. That's exactly where Jacob was. And Jacob had the rent of heaven opened up, and he began to see that God was indeed with him, and God was indeed working. It's very important for us to see that. Now, it says in the text that God was at the top of the ladder, but other translations say that God stood 
with him or by him. And the picture, and I like this better, I, I, it's not that he's standing above Jacob, that he came down to be with Jacob. So he is with Jacob. Uh, and, and I think that's really a better translation, that he is with Jacob. And he begins to make some promises, and really what he's reaffirming is the Abrahamic promise of the Abrahamic covenant. And what he says is, number one, you're going to have land. The ground you are sleeping on belongs to you and your descendants. And not only that, your children will be as, as, uh, as numerous as dust. Do you ever try to count dust? <laughs> it's kind of hard to count. One, two, three. Hey, well, I start over again, you know, because you'll never do it. Uh, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. Uh, he says, my presence, I will be with you. I will never leave you. Right. So God gave Jacob exactly what he needed. He gave him the promise of security. I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. He gives him the promise of significance. I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to have more children than you can count. Uh, I'm gonna. You are going to be famous. Uh, also, he gives Jacob. He gives Jacob the thing that he needed the most: the blessing. Jacob never could get a blessing from his father, but from the most important person in the world, he got a blessing. God says, "I have a plan for your life. You're important. I will always be with you. You are." You're going to be okay. <laughs> and that's what he needed to hear. He, he needed, and you know what? That's what we all need to hear. Everyone needs to be blessed. And here's the, the thing. God isn't just waiting to bless Jacob. He's waiting to bless you. Now, again, let's not get into this whole prosperity thing that God blesses you. And the way that, This is American culture. God blesses me because I have a lot of money or possession. That's not what we're talking about. That's God saying to you, your life is not meaningless in His purpose. That you are loved by the most important person in the world. That I love you and I care for you. We'll talk more about that. So, uh, so this nowhere place, this nowhere land becomes Bethel. Jacob awakes. He realizes, I'm in a holy place. I've met with God. And so he begins to set up a memorial pillar and he names the place Bethel, which means house of God. So nowhere becomes Bethel. And I just want to say that there are a lot of people who think, I need to go to a certain place, not high in a, a holy mountain, or I need to go in this, this holy cathedral, or I need to go to this, this holy person. And, and, and what Scripture says is what makes a place holy is the presence of God. And it can be in nowhere land, in a nowhere place. Uh, it, it could be in a nowhere job. It could be... It doesn't matter. God is there. And what makes, by the way, this building is not God's house. It's not God's house. This is a place where God's people meet and it becomes holy because we're here and God's presence is here just like the Roshek building. And that lower level is not God's house. But it is a holy place. It's a sacred place because God's people are going to gather at 10 o'clock and they're going to worship God just like we are here. We make this place holy as we gather and we give praise to God. This place is holy. It doesn't matter where you meet. And, and, and that means individually you don't have to go to a certain place at a certain time to meet God. God meets you in the nowhere places of life. He meets you there. He's there. Now what's interesting is People are, have been so bent on trying to build the perfect place or try to approach and reach heaven on their own. Uh, you go back to Genesis 11. We looked at that when we were going start going through the book of Genesis. Genesis 11, what happens? They build a tower, right? 
They built a tower. And the purpose of the tower was to make a name for themselves and to provide protection. The significance and the security is what they were looking for. And so they gathered their forces together and they began to build this tower. And it was probably some sort of a ziggurat or, or, or a Think of a pyramid, you know. And if you look at a pyramid from a long ways off, it seems like it's really smooth. But if you go up close to it, you realize it's just step stones, both on all the sides going up. So they're building this thing so that they can reach up into heaven. And there's an interesting parallel between Bethel and Babel. The Tower of Babel with man's efforts of trying to reach up to heaven and trying to... Uh, essentially get there and their efforts were thwarted and God scattered them by confusing their language. So they were working really hard. They were trying, they were pursuing, they were trying to get to God. They were, you know, you know, working very hard to try to reach heaven, right? And what happened? God scattered them. So what happens with Jacob? He's undeserving. He's a scoundrel. By the way, so are we. He was deceitful. So are we sometimes, right? Uh, he was he was not necessarily the greatest person in the world. And neither are we, if we're honest, right? But what is what, what happened? Was he pursuing God at all? No, he was absolutely not pursuing God. And what happens? God pursues him. God builds a stairway not to himself, but from himself to him, to Jacob. God comes to Jacob and stands next to Jacob and saying, Jacob, you are blessed because I have a plan for your life and I love you. And whether no one else, whether your human father can't say, can't give you a blessing by word or deed, I am going to. I'm going to bless you. You don't deserve it. You certainly don't deserve it. You do have no track record at all. You're not a very good person. But I'm going to choose to bless you anyway. That's the difference between Babel and Bethel. Babel is man trying to reach to God. Bethel is God reaching down from heaven to earth saying, You are blessed. It's a big difference. Big difference. God came to him. God found him. God made promises to him. God blessed him. God promised him significance and security. God blessed him and it had nothing to do with Jacob and everything to do with God. God came to Jacob at his lowest point in his time of greatest need when he had hit bottom so that he could clearly see that it was all of God and not of him. And he came to a point where he realized, I've met God. This is a holy place. This is incredible. Now, again, this is not going to be, he's not going to do a 180. You're not going to be a tremendous transformation, but you're going to see a beginning of a journey that Jacob is going to have with God. Babel represents man's best effort to reach up to God. Bethel illustrates how God reaches down graciously towards us. Now, as we've gone through the book of Genesis, I've tried to say, okay, the reason we're doing this is because sometimes you read the New Testament and you read through his thing and there's a, there's a reference back to the Old Testament and you go, well, don't really know what that means. I'll just move on. And this happens in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. But the interesting thing is what Jesus is referring to is this episode with Jacob. So I want you to turn there. John chapter 1. This is on page 810. John chapter 1, page 810. This is verse 43 of chapter 1. Now, let me give you the context. 
Philip, Jesus is gathering together his early disciples, his early followers, and Philip finds Nathanael. And he says, we think we found the guy, the, the Messiah, you know. We think we found him. We, we really do. And, and so Nathaniel comes along. And Nathaniel's one of these guys who's kind of the straight shooting, say, it what, you know, say what he thinks. He's not going to, there's no pretense with him. He's not, he's not going to wishy, he's not wishy-washy. He says what he thinks. And sometimes you might not like it. And, and let's look at the dialogue here. This is John 1, verse 43, page 810. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethesda and Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about, the Messiah. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Okay? This is, this is, <laughs> this is uh, what... Uh, Nathaniel says, Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached Jesus, uh, approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of in- complete integrity. In some translation, it says a man of no guile. And I think it's just, he says what he thinks. He's just, uh, he just, uh, there's no, you, if you, you know what you, how you, where you stand with him, he doesn't uh, pull punches. He says, how do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Now, let's stop there for a minute. So Nathaniel's sitting under a fig tree, and all of a sudden, Jesus says to him, I saw you when you were sitting under the fig tree. You thought you were alone, but you weren't. Because I'm God, and when you are in nowhere land or under a fig tree, I see you. When you think your life isn't going where it needs to be, when you feel like you're alone, when you feel like no one cares, I see you, I'm there. You may not see me, but I'm there. I don't miss it. I don't miss anything. So he is absolutely stunned by this. And he immediately says, you're right. He's the Messiah. Who else? Who else but God would know this? Who else but somebody sent from God would know this? So Jesus says something. Here's where we key, here's where we're going to key into the whole uh, Jacob episode. It's very interesting. Jesus asks him, "Do you believe this? Just because I told you that I had seen you under the fig tree, you will see greater things than this." And then he said, "I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open." The angels of God, notice, going up and down, not on a ladder from heaven, but on the Son of God, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Do you see what Jesus is saying there? Now, knowing the Jacob story, the angels ascending and descending the ladder. And Jesus is just saying, I am going to, you know, I'm like the ladder. He says, I am the ladder. I am the ladder. The, the angels work for me. They ascend and descend by me, by my orders. And he, you say, well, does he ever say this again? What, 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 is, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying is, you can't pursue me. You don't look for me and build a tower to me. I pursue you. I am the ladder to heaven. 
No, he says he's, he said this over and over. Jesus is referring back to this encounter with Jacob, and he's saying, he's saying to Nathaniel, I'm the stairway. I, access to heaven goes through me. Babel, the Tower of Babel says, work harder, try more, do your best, and hopefully one day you'll have done enough and God will accept you. You'll ascend the Tower of Babel and you'll arrive at heaven. And there's so many people in this community that think that's the way it works. You know, somebody asked me a number of years ago, they said, if you were to die today, would you go to be with God in heaven? I said, I hope so. I said, well, why? Why do you think you'd... Go to heaven. I said, well, I go to, I go to church every week. I go to confession once a month. I believe in God. I'm not a bad person. I'm better than most people, I think. Not perfect, but I'm better than most. What was I doing there? I was building my Tower of Babel. I think I think, I hope my tower is big enough. But you know what you'll find with Babel? Your tower is never going to be big enough. You'll never reach heaven. But here's the thing. Bethel says, without God reaching down, you're dead. That's what Jacob learned that day. He, reached, he realized that God was reaching down to him. He wasn't pursuing God. He wasn't looking for God, but God was looking for him. And God knew him. You see, Jesus is, is taking that Bethel experience of Jacob, and he's going even further. He's not just saying that, that there, is a, there, is a, there is a stairway to heaven. He's saying, I am the stairway. And I'm coming down from heaven to earth, and I am the only way. And he says that same thing in John 14, 6. He says, I am the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Stairway. Say the same thing. You know, the popular world religions today uh, basically say uh, similar things. The Buddhism has the noble eight, the, the, the fold plan. You follow these and you'll be acceptable. The Islam has the five pillars. Judaism has the Ten Commandments. Hinduism has karma. You know, you, 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 you uh, work the, your, your life out here and hopefully as you move up the, the karma path, you'll, you'll reach nirvana. It's, it's, it's always reaching up. It's always trying to do your best and achieving. It's always that. It, some forms of Christianity have even come to that place. I, was, I don't want to say this was the official church position, but this is what I felt, was, and many other people in that tradition felt the same way, that they said, you just have to achieve. You have to go to church. You have to believe in God. You have to go to confession. You have to follow the, 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 uh, the, the uh direction and guidance of the church and as you do that you will achieve a place where you'll be acceptable to god but the biblical gospel says this you're lost you're helpless and hopeless you're a scoundrel just like jacob you deceit you're deceitful you're a liar you are a sinner you're lost and all of our best efforts fall woefully short of of heaven we're all sinners we all fall short and that's why God sent a rescue party of one, and he became the stairway to heaven. From heaven, really. Heaven reached down to us. We didn't reach up to him. He reached down to us. And he became the stairway, the way to God, the way to heaven. And it go, Jesus was essentially saying to Nathaniel, the path to heaven goes through me. He's saying you'll find significance, you'll find security, you'll find blessing as you receive the Son who came from heaven to save you, to set you free as He gave His life for you. Jesus said on the cross, this is finished. Now, here's the thing. We, many of us get that. 
We get it's by grace. We get it. It's not what we do. It's what he's done. We get that he came and saved us. But then it's like, okay, now that we're in, now that we've crossed that line of faith, now that we've called upon the Lord, now that we've, we've, we've found, you know, essentially he found us because we weren't really looking for him, but we understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. We believe that we've called upon him. Now that we've done that, we say, okay, now that you're in, now you have to really do your best to keep it. Because if you slip up, you're out. You're done. You're, it's all over. Uh, look at Jacob's words. Go jump back to uh, Genesis again. Because he says something. He says in Genesis chapter 28, this is verse uh, 20. He says, then J- Jacob made a vow after this whole experience with God. And again, I said he's not there yet, and he's not. If God will indeed be with me and protect me in this journey, and if he will provide with me food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then... Then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I've set up will become a place of worshiping God. And I will present a tenth of everything he gives me. So Jacob is basically uh, at a place where he's saying, um, I still have to do my part. I still have to, to, to uh, please God, do enough. And if God will do his part, if he will come through, if he will do this, if he will do this, if he will do this, then I will believe. Are you, I'm so glad that God doesn't maintain an if relationship with me. I'm glad God doesn't say, okay, now Matt, you're in, you believed in, on my son Jesus and you, you called upon him, but now you have to follow the rules. Now you have to kind of live a perfect life. Now you better not mess up. And I'm so glad that he doesn't say, if and when you stop lying, I'll be with you. If and when you stop lusting, I'll be with you. If and when you stop hoarding your time, talent, and treasure, I will be with you. If and when you stop cheating and gossiping, I'll be with you. If and when you ever get your life together, then I'll be with you. That's not the gospel. That's not how you get in and that's not how you stay in. You don't get in and you don't stay in because of your performance. You get in and stay in because of the cross and because of the grace of God. That's the gospel. You don't build a tower up to God. God comes down to you and reaches to you in your desperate need. And Jesus says, it's finished. It's done. Jacob's not there yet. He hasn't gotten that yet. He doesn't understand it. But I'm so glad that we have a God who does it. So three quick final points of application. Number one, no matter how bad you become, God never gives up on you. There's always hope. God can help you do a 180. If you're breathing and you have a pulse today, God has a plan for your life. And you may think you're in a place where God can't save you because of what you've done. And you might even think, if you, if, you know, if you told me, Pastor, if you knew what I've done, what I, where I am right now, you'd say there's no hope. I might say that. Hopefully I wouldn't. But <laughs> you know? You know, yeah, you imagine you sit down and tell me all that. And say, well, you're you're done, man. There's no hope for you. <laughs> I wouldn't even bother going to church. It's there's no, no. But you know, God knows the worst, not the worst, just the worst thing you've done. He knows the worst thing you've thought. <laughs> and He says, that's why the cross. That's why every one of us needs the cross. There's always hope. Hope does not go away. 
Number two, God shows up and is working in those nowhere places of life. And maybe that's where you're at this weekend. You feel like you're in nowhere land. You feel like God has left you. God hasn't left you. God is working. Now, is he working behind the scenes? Has the curtain not been drawn so that you can peek in like Isaac or Jacob was able to? Yeah, maybe so. But that doesn't mean that angels aren't still ascending and descending the ladder. It doesn't mean that God isn't working a plan out. And so don't ever lose hope and don't ever think that I'm in nowhere land, in a nowhere place, and no one cares because there is one that says, You matter to me so much that I will send my son to be the ladder to me. And he will give his life for you. And so not only will you be secure, not only will you be significant, because the God of the universe gave his life for you, but you will be blessed. I want you to be blessed. I want you to know I have a plan for you to bless you. What was he saying to Jacob? Jacob, you tried to steal this, but I'm not, you can't steal this. It is only something that I can give you. And so many people are trying to steal God's blessing. They'll never steal it. But He'll give it to you. Number three, no matter how hard you try, you'll never make your way to heaven. Because your ladder, your stairway will always be too short. So maybe you're here and you've been building a stairway. And those two questions, would you, if you're to die today, would you go be with God in heaven? you say, I hope so. Well, why? Well, because, and you go into all those things. You know what? I answered and I had five or six things. And the person that asked my question asked me the question, asked me another one. He says, well, where does Jesus fit in? I go, I don't know, but he should fit in there somewhere, I think. And the answer was because I was building the Tower of Babel. I hadn't heard about Bethel. That God comes down to me. And that's why heaven came to earth in Jesus. He's the stairway from heaven. And He came to save you, to forgive you, and to rescue you. Jesus is the only stairway to God. He's the giver of the blessing that you desperately seek. And when you turn to Him... And say, I'm helpless and hopeless and I am drowning. And unless you save me, I'm dead. You're lost. But when you come to that place of nowhere, and when you come to that place and say, help, He will. And He will forgive you. And He will give you purpose and meaning. And He will bring uh, joy into your life. And He will bless you. And He will hold your head up. Maybe for the... The one thing I remember when I came, when I crossed that line of faith, is the one thing I remember is for the first time in my life, I felt forgiven. Because it didn't depend upon me. It depended upon Him. And I said, that's what I needed. And so, God wants you to feel secure. He says to Jacob, I will be with you and I will never leave you. He says, you'll be blessed. You'll be significant. You're going to be a great person. And God says to us, He says, I have plans for you. You're my, you know, Ephesians 2.10 says, you are my masterpiece. Will you let me make you into what I desire? I have a plan for your life. And then finally, we are blessed. We are so blessed. 
you, maybe you don't have a parent. You don't have somebody. You have nobody in your life who's ever said, you're blessed. You're important. You're significant. There's a plan for your life. You're not an accident. And nobody's ever spoken. But you know what? Here's what I'm saying is the most important person in the universe is saying that to you today. If you'll just receive the blessing. You can walk away and say, eh, whatever. Or you could say, wow, it's amazing. You could be in awe of it. Jacob was. You don't have to wait to have the presence of God invade your life. Today, you can have it. Jesus says, I won't just be with you. I'll be in you. The Spirit of Christ will dwell within you. That's the joy and the blessing we have today. So I pray that you would leave today as blessed people. I pray today if you build a Tower of Babel, that you'll turn your back on it and find Bethel. And remember that Jesus said to Nathaniel, I am the stairway that has come from heaven for you. Stand with me. Father, this is uh, such good news and it's encouraging. But we have to come to terms that we are lost and helpless and hopeless that we are Jacob, that we sometimes feel like we're in nowhere land. But Jacob was undeserving. He was not pursuing you. He was alone. And you came to him and you found him. And you will do the same for us. Some of us, you have already done that. And we're just amazed. We're so blessed. We're so thankful. If there's anyone here today, Father, that feels like no one cares. No one can bless them. No one has blessed them. May they look to you and see you working behind the scenes in their life. May they look to the cross and see Jesus who demonstrated that we are valuable, that we are loved, that we are blessed. For that, we're thankful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.